You're listening to Hive Hoops, a Charlotte Hornets podcast. Here's your host, Joshua Balta. Hive Hoops, I'm your host, Joshua Balta. You can find me at Hive Hoops, of course, on Twitter. Other socials as well, starting to get into the Instagram and the threads. I still don't feel that comfortable there. Um, that's not really my territory, but that's where you can find me at Hive Hoops, at Balta 77, and at Hornets Lead. Those are the places where you're going to find me, of course, here as well. And for the third time, basically becoming a mainstay at this point of Hive Hoops, Ben Hollifield. Many of you guys know Ben on Hornets Twitter. He's been on prior episodes. He's on this one today. Ben, how's your summer going, man? Is it is it like all the way over? Have you already gotten like back into like classes and all of that? I have. Um, just started this past week. I'm a senior now, UNC Charlotte. So getting back into it. Senior year. Man, I remember my senior year. <laughs> I'm finishing up my master's right now. And I'm so sick of school at this point. Like, I'm just tired. And so I'm not having to go, like, on campus. It's all online and all that. But I'm just sick of, like, having to check the emails. And you all, <laughs> I'm so tired of school. I'm so tired of school. And then, like, my dumb ass, like, I'm thinking about going back and getting another degree when I get done. Like, I haven't even finished this one. I'm so tired of it. But... I'm already thinking about like what my next one will be and what I'm going to do with it. So I guess I'm just going to be a student forever, but glad to hear you back. Glad to hear that, you know, all is well. Got to jump in. We've had some breaking news this week. PJ Washington has signed a three-year deal with the Charlotte Hornets for 48 mil comes out to 16 mil per which is underneath that 20 million dollar asking price that PJ was hoping for but it's also higher than what previous reports had said about Charlotte not even reaching that 14 15 million dollar per year deal and so Ben just what are your initial reactions and now that you've had a couple days, I, I guess this released on Saturday morning, now that you've had a couple days, like where do you stand with this? Do you think that this was a good deal for both sides? And just what are your overall thoughts? I am pretty ecstatic about it. I wasn't one of those Hornets fans that thought that it was this – just absolute necessity to bring back PJ at all costs. I saw, I mean, I think there were plenty of Hornets fans that if that Woj tweeted said it was four years, $90 million or something like that, they'd have been okay with it. I would not have been okay with that. I think 20 million itself was too much, but 16 over three years, I think that's pretty great. And if for no other reason, if, if that's, easily easily tradable very very easy to throw in a package and teams would want pj but also 16 million dollars for a guy who can play four through five maybe the three if you want that who offers the like the um the weak side rim protection to a much lesser extent than the elite guys at it but still does that's a really valuable archetype it's a really valuable skill. I think some would argue it's probably the most valuable skill defensively at this point in, in 2023. And just the fact he's also just one of those guys that you like to have around. He seems very unselfish, just he's, he's available too, which as we've seen is not a given on the Hornets. And so, I mean, if, and from PJ's perspective, I'm not, I think it might be a little bit of a discount, especially when you look at, like, he's getting Isaiah Stewart money. And Isaiah Stewart is – he's not as good as P.J. Washington, nor, is he, nor does he do things that matter as much as P.J. Washington. Not to just throw Isaiah Stewart under the bus for no reason, but that was just kind of a, a reference. But it it's good for P.J., not great. 
Yeah, I think P.J. saw the writing on the wall, and P.J. played hardball as long as he could. He, you know, myself included, um, I was I was ecstatic. I was through the roof. I became a really big P.J. guy over the past two seasons. I've started to really grow because I, I haven't always been a P.J. guy. And so his first couple of seasons in the league, I always wanted him just to do more and really take on, you know, more skills, especially offensively, because he just had those roller coaster highs and lows. And he still has had those over the past two years, but he's gotten better defensively. And I think that's where I really started to change my mind with PJ is he really started to grow into his body, really started to have that, you know, stretch for body in the NBA. And like you said, who could, you know, check some fives, not all fives, obviously, but multiple across the league. And to see him come in at roughly 16 mil per, actually, I don't know if the Charlotte Hornets, because we haven't received the details on this yet, I'm not sure if they are front-loading this contract or back-loading it because what happens with these deals, so they have the average, right? But there's a 7.5% increase yearly on the contract itself. So, like, when you sign the deal, they're, you know, 48 mil. Okay, so you get your base salary that first year that is comes right underneath the 16 mil per and so where he's at right now, he's estimated to be at 14.8 or the Hornets could choose to front load it and pay him more on the front end than the back end to where they could choose 17.2 million up front. And then that would decrease. So three years from now, we could be looking at PJ getting less than 15 mil per. I mean, that's perfect. This is just yeah. absolutely perfect. Because, I mean, if you have a contract for a guy with all of the things you said, that's descending in amount, or even if it ascends, even if they choose to pay him 14.8 now and it moves up to 17.2, three years from now, that's not bad. I mean, you're looking at the mid-level exception currently is 12 and a half mil. Right. So right. you're saying he's just nowhere. right above that. Like, yes, easily easily and so this deal huge fan of it i like the length i like the numbers i like everything about it i think he fills a massive gap on this team there's a hole if pj weren't to come back to charlotte there was going to be a hole there because then you're asking a lot out of jt thor moving into quite a quite a big role in my opinion, at that at at that juncture, and so for PJ to be back, I think that lessens and takes a load off of JT, where he can continue to just expand his game and work on certain areas that can get him to where he can be a viable rotation piece in the NBA for years to come. But I love it. I I love it completely. Yeah. Um. And the thing about PJ too is he's he's far from a a perfect defender you know he's not he's not jaron jackson jr he's not just gonna take away the paint or, so, or something like that and he's not you know he's not bam he's not he's not guarding one through five stuff like that but the thing about pj is he's going to look and maybe the sound is a little obvious but he's gonna look so much better surrounded by better defenders be that mark williams cody martin coming back what you hope brandon miller could be um i mean even gordon hayward but if pj if you're asking pj to all to guard the best wing on the other team and help and help other players like that's unrealistic and that's what he was asked to do last year it was and i second what you just said i mean next to mark williams now and cody martin getting back hopefully healthy and ready to go I, PJ is that perfect glue guy. He's unselfish. He doesn't need the ball to, you know, produce what your team desires from your, what, fourth, fifth best player. 
And that's what he is at this, at this point in his career. That's what he is. And that's probably what he's always going to be is that fourth to fifth best player on your team. And I, I love it. I love it. I don't know how anybody could be upset about this. There are, it's, I guess it's Earth 2023. People are mad about things. We're mad about things. We're going to get to that later. There's been some LaMelo disrespect. Okay, so in segment three, we're angry. We're mad. So we got to talk about that. So I guess I could see why uh, why some people are mad about PJ, but they shouldn't be. They should not be whatsoever. Now, not at all. where I want to move this conversation is to the rotation topic because this has been – a large talking point for much of the Hornets fan base. Where exactly is everybody going to slot in? And so, Ben, I want to throw that to you. Who are your start? Who's your starting lineup now that the Hornets have brought back PJ? Where does he factor in there? Is he going to be on that bench roll? And then, kind of, how do you see the rotations and the lineups moving as games go on? Yeah, I first of all, I I love talking and thinking about this. It's just the fan in me that loves doing that. Um, I think for the Hornets, it's you've got the season is basically separated into the first ten games and the last seventy two games. Yeah. For and just a little disclaimer, I will be talking about weird Miles Bridges, just the player only. That's you know, but last time we saw him, he's really really good, and. Um, so he also hadn't played in a year and a half. So it's like the first 10 games, I can say with reasonable certainty, LaMelo starts, Terry Rozier starts, PJ Washington starts and Mark Williams starts. You'd assume the three is Gordon Hayward. I mean, that's, that's a pretty reasonable assumption. And I think it, I don't know if this is unpopular. I think it probably should be. I my my initial opinion was no, go ahead and start Brandon Miller immediately. I think he fits better with the starters than he does the bench. But then I had this little epiphany that was like, well, if you're asking him to start and the other starters are LaMelo, Terry Rozier, and P.J. Washington, he's the one that has to guard the Jason Tatums of the world and just anyone like that. And I just, even though we think that he could be a above-average defender, making our rookie small forward guard – Jason Tatum and Kevin Durant and whoever may be from the get seems like a, a bad a, a bad process. So I'd probably like Gordon Hayward. Not that Gordon Hayward's, you know, taking him out of the game, but Gordon Hayward is experienced. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know. And then you have you let Brandon Miller come off the bench. You know, I would like to have Brandon Miller play with LaMelo a lot. So then that brings us to the question of after the ten games come, after the ten games goes through, Miles Bridges is back, and Miles Bridges is back, and of course we're operating under the assumption that everyone is healthy, and that's dangerous assumption to operate under. But it has to be at this point. We can't. We, yeah, like, but come on. You know, we can't. You know, <laughs> it's like so that are the Hornets five and five? Are they seven and three? Are they three and seven? If, if they're, if they're, if they're seven and three, maybe Clifford's like, we don't met one. Don't mess with a good thing. Let's bring miles bridges back slowly. Now, you know, we come back 10 games comes through and they're two and eight. Maybe it's like, all right, well, cool. We just got a 20 point per game score back. Let's not waste any time. Yeah. And you start so, two and eight. You've already wasted too much yeah. time. Like, I mean, also, <laughs> Yeah, I assume Clifford probably likes Gordon Hayward. I mean, Gordon Hayward, opinions aside about him or whatever, whatever, he's an objectively good player still still to this day. And and so it's just – then you get to the point where it's there's probably three players you are certain would start, LaMelo, Terros, or Mark Williams. And so I can't really say what I would do after the 10 games just because it's so fluid. But – if all is going wrong, everything is going wrong. I'd I'd be tempted to go Lamelo, Brandon Miller, Miles Bridges, PJ Washington, and 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 Mark Williams, and that's dangerous. Brandon Miller is not a shooting guard right now, and maybe if I'm going to start, and maybe now that I now that I'm saying it out loud, maybe it's more I'd probably rather Gordon Hayward start than PJ in that instance. 
just because maybe then Gordon Hayward's the de facto shooting guard. As yeah. far as after the ten games, I think it, it it's where is the team? What are they? What are they doing well? What are they not doing well? Who's injured? Who's not injured? And then as we talked about before, Terry Rozier is the backup point guard at this point, and I would always have one of Lamelo or Gordon Hayward on the court at all times, or else there's just no playmaking. Yeah. Even if you have Cody Martin, I mean Cody Martin, much as I love him and much as I, is he is capable of facilitating and doing things like that. Good teams aren't asking Cody Martin to, to to do that very often. No. You brought up an inter- interesting point because you're right. I mean, this the first 10 games is not how the team is going to look the remaining 72 because you are injecting that 20-point-per-game score. And hopefully he's still to that caliber once he does return. And so – Prior the first 10 games, I think you nailed it. I mean, the starters are going to be – it's going to be LaMelo, Terry, Gordon Hayward, P.J. Washington, and Mark Williams to begin the season if all are healthy. That's your starting lineup, games 1 through 10. And looking at the schedule, I, I'm going to be extremely disappointed, even missing Miles Bridges with those five starting – and having Cody Martin, Brandon Miller, Nick Richards, maybe a JT Thor uh, getting some minutes at that point. I'm going to be frustrated if we don't at least eke out four wins with the with the yeah. first 10 games. I'm going to be extremely frustrated because there's no reason why we can't get four wins <laughs> out of those first 10 games. Now, I realize that Houston will not be the Houston of this past season. They got your boy, Dylan Brooks. I'll tell you what, I'm still jealous about that. Yeah, that's that's tough because, I mean, we're even seeing it, you know, during this World Cup, like some of the things that Dylan Brooks just offers your team. Forget so the shooting. <laughs> like, throw the shooting away. I get it. But, man – He's a menace. He's just a menace. And he's going to inject some some grown-up attributes to that young Houston team. And then Fred Van Bleet. Um, I'm I like Fred Van Bleet. I'm not as high. Well, I mean, I guess a lot of people have come off of Fred Van Bleet over the past, I guess I would say, season. It's got like some uh he's got a lot of LaMelo vibes almost in that <laughs> in, in that. I guess if you were saying that uh that realm it's uh, an overcorrection. Yeah, yeah. Oh pretty much. And because I felt like people were way too high on uh Van Vliet, and then now I feel like they've just like kind of bottomed out. Undersized right. guard can't really get it done in the playoffs. And he's dealt with some injury concerns. So I get it, I get it. But they're going to be better. Um, and so going to Houston may not be as easy of a win as, you know, the past couple seasons. But you have Detroit, you have multiple games against Washington. I mean, those are those are some games that uh, I'm just thinking, even without Miles, you have to win. So I won at least four out of that first right. 10. But you get to game 11, and like you said, if if things are going pretty well, if you're looking at your six and four, seven and three, you don't change. Miles, you bring him off the bench until he's fully acclimated. That way he's not pressing. He's not, you know, you don't have to run him 30 minutes. You can just kind of ease him in and get him right to where he gets up to speed and kind of see how that's going. But then if you are 2-8, and eight, you have to change it up. And LaMelo, mainstay. Mark Williams mainstay. The others are all up for grabs. And that's it. A lot of people get so I do want to point this out. We are talking about this. You guys will hear this August the 28th for the first time. We are recording on Sunday, August the 27th. So we get that we are two months away, right? From opening night, roughly. And there's a lot that can change here. But LaMelo 
the way that these rotations are going to happen, when LaMelo comes out, Terry is probably staying in and going to be the guy who brings the ball up the floor. And like you said, he's not a facilitator. He's not going to be the one that just like really gets you into your offensive sets and, you know, starts popping the ball around and, you know, doing all of those things. Gordon Hayward will have to be on the floor with Terry in that moment. And in my opinion, I think that this is the perfect spot for Gordon Hayward to play that sixth man role for this Charlotte Hornets team to where once they're full and healthy, I think Miles Bridges will uh, go to the starting lineup at some point. Maybe it doesn't happen immediately, but I do believe that it will happen. And once that takes place, I want to keep PJ in because I don't want Miles at the four. I just don't. PJ is a much better four uh, defensively than Miles. And so I don't want to mess that up. I want to move Hayward to the bench in this scenario. And call me crazy, but in a contract year, I think Gordon Hayward will gut through some things. Not that anybody's going to give him some massive contract, but if the guy's not planning on retiring after this season and he wants to return to playing in the NBA next season, he can still earn another contract. He is still good enough, when healthy, to earn another contract. In a contract year, I think that La- – that not LaMelo – that Gordon <laughs> Hayward guts through some things that maybe he hasn't in years previous that have made so many of us Charlotte Hornets fans so freaking pissed at him. I had to say freaking. I had to pause there. That I, I, you know, I, other <laughs> nights, other nights I dropped the f bomb. Tonight, you know, family friendly. Yeah, I, I'm chilling right now, and I'll keep I'll keep that for another episode. Um. But I think that this guy's actually going to play a lot of games this season. I just – I feel it. I don't know why. I think this is the one. I think it's going to piss all of us off. Even if he's healthy and we're winning, I think we're all going to be like, damn it, Gordon, if you could have just done this one other season, man, just one. I think he's going to get like 65 – I think he could be in that 65-plus games played this season. I'm so – like – Coming off of the bench, second unit, his minutes maybe, you know, in that 25 to 28, you know, realm. I think that's the sweet spot, keeping him healthy, keeping him to where he's still viable on the floor uh, to a large degree because he's going to be viable on the floor, but to a large degree where he's really going to help this team. I don't know. Am I crazy? Am, Am I talking crazy here? thinking all of this what like what are your thoughts on that i'm actually i'm a little bit excited for 2023 2024 gordon hayward oh shit we're just because it's it's over it's over it's 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 much (laughs) because i'm not saying this is the reason he was injured all the time because he's been injured a lot hornets or not but he did have a lot of responsibility he was asked to do a lot every night and that's Weighs on somebody that has an injury history and is getting up there in age. So if he's not asked to do that this year, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna speak to how many games I think he's gonna play. But <laughs> so you you don't want to touch that 65 number. No, I'm I'm not gonna make a prediction <laughs> on that. But but when he's healthy, I could see him being you know the um like you said the super sixth man something like that. Yeah. And one other thing that I would like to – that's not totally related to that that I would just like to throw in. The Hornets don't owe Miles Bridges a thing. Like, when it comes to lineups or something like that, like, there are players in the league that's just, like – like, they are starters. Like, and I'm, and not even talking about just the all-stars. Like, like there are players in the league who just – they start – they are starters. That's what they do, whether it's their contract, whether it's just because of their perceived role. Miles Bridges is on an $8 million qualifying offer coming off a season he didn't play. If coming off the bench is what's working, that is what he will do. And he there's and that's just gonna have to be okay. Like yeah. Now he may not like it because that's not but really he doesn't get an opinion. Is the yeah. He does if he's 
Or, yeah, it's, that's well, really kind of what I was saying. If I had to guess, I would imagine that he would have a quite strong opinion on the matter, but not that it should bother anybody. But and, it doesn't matter. It, like it's not like it's not like they'd have, if he if this was the last time we saw him and Borrego had decided to take him out of the starting lineup when we were struggling or something like that. Then absolutely, then it's like, oh yeah, if I was Miles, I'd be upset and I don't blame him. And this is wrong. Now this year, if the team's doing well and we wanted to and we want to bring him off the bench, then that's that's what we should do. And if he's not happy about it, he's gonna have, he, it's just gonna have to be okay. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you. Um, we we don't owe him anything. And not a thing. he owes us more than we owe him. That yeah yeah, and his his whole season. All right, he is chasing a long-term deal. And so if that ends up being what happens, he's not going to like it, but that shouldn't bother us because at, at, at that point, I mean, we have to do what's best for the Charlotte Hornets. And that's what this coaching staff has to take upon themselves. That's what they have to figure out. And Really can't worry about. I mean, he's not going to get anything if he gets pissed and he stops playing. And it, right. that attitude takes it to the media. Ain't nobody, nobody wants to hear you know, anything from you after the past year and a half about how you're not now in a starting role. Nobody wants to hear that. That's how you do not get your next contract, right? In the area that you are seeking. And so, yeah, no, for sure. I'm just thinking for what's best for the team, Gordon Hayward fits – he fits the mold better for a guy who can lead a second unit. He I agree. I'm not better saying, than Miles Bridges, in my opinion. I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying that Gordon Hayward – I'm not saying that Miles Bridges should not start. I'm just saying in this – in the world where things are going well, and oh yeah, the Hornets yeah. are and the Hornets are a noticeably better team with Miles Bridges off the bench. That Steve Clifford, whoever, should not be deterred from doing that. Yeah, no, I'm with you. I'm with you on that. Now, I do want to get to this as well in the rotation because I already mentioned. I think when Lamelo comes out, five minute mark or so, and I think Terry Rozier is going to stay in and be the de facto backup point guard where we stand today. Um, I think Gordon Hayward would need to be in that lineup as well for, you know, just facilitating different things. Brandon Miller, um, I am all in on bringing him off the bench. I just, day one, a lot of people, I get it. You have a top two pick. You're coming off of a 27-win season, and I get it. I get that people are excited about the rookie, want to see him injected into the starting lineup. But Terry Rozier's better day one. Miles Bridges is better day one. Gordon Hayward's better day one. P.J. Washington is better day one than what Brandon Miller will be. He doesn't have – he has to grow. He has to bulk. He's got to learn the NBA game. I mean, that's just really what it is. Like, he's not going to come in and just light everything on fire. I just – I I don't see it. If it happens, oh, then okay, let's roll with it. But I don't see that when I see his college tape. I didn't see that, those capabilities, when I watched his summer league tape for that to be the case. I think he's a rotation guy. I don't think that this should be one of those conversations where, you know, Brandon Miller, is he going to be fighting with Bryce McGowan's for the minutes? Or is he going to be, you know, right there with JT Thor for the minutes? I, you have to give him minutes because he can offer this team something that those guys can't, and that's the outside shooting, right? I'm not saying that Bryce McGowan's is, you know, never going to develop a consistent shot. Uh, but from what we've seen and what we know, Brandon Miller should come into the NBA day one and be able to provide a team at least that. And so, and like you said, I think you brought up 
how you want to see Brandon Miller playing alongside LaMelo Ball, seeing how LaMelo gets him open, finds him on the perimeter. Hopefully he can knock those shots down at a nice clip. Um, But when we start talking about the fringe guys, we start talking about the Bryce McGowanses, and we talk about the JT Thors. Um, I'm not even – I'm not even going to mention James Booknight because there's nothing to mention. Nope. Um, but when when it comes to some of those guys that I just mentioned right there, how do you see them fitting into this rotation with Cody Martin coming back, um, Nick Richards seemingly having the backup center role locked down? I mean, there's only a couple guys that could really like force their way into the rotation. And so – Kind of how do you see that? Also, uh, Nilakina just signed him. Do you see him kind of serving that backup point guard role? Just, uh, you know, wanted to get your thoughts on some of those guys. Yeah, I was going to say I think that Nilakina has a better shot of being in the rotation than Bryce McGowan's. Maybe probably JT Thor, too. JT Thor's position is extremely crowded. Yeah. Um, And Nilakina's is not. No, he also and Frank. I'm, I'm not a big Frank Nilakina guy. Similarly, no. To be fair, I wasn't a Dennis Smith guy either, and that went very well. But Nilakina does do exactly what we need. I think that there's a world where he could play with Lamelo, and that you know he's just guarding the other team's best guard, and you know it's maybe it's Lamelo. It's Frank Nilakina, and then it's Brandon Miller and Martin, whoever it doesn't matter. But, but yeah, I don't, I don't see a world where Bryce McGowan is is in the rotation without one of two things happening, and that's injuries or things have started to go very poorly. Yeah. Um, JT Thor, maybe he gets spot minutes. I know, I know Clifford likes him. Um, but like, I don't. Again, if we're not if there's not injury issues and Miles Bridges and PJ Washington and Gordon Hayward and Brandon Miller are all playing, I don't know where JT Thor fits into that in any way, nor should he. Yeah. JT Thor is as limited as they come. And like you said, we're not, we're not even going to touch on James book, or Kai Jones at this point. They're neither of them will play. I should have mentioned him before. Unless things go very, very poorly. Now, I mean, I guess there's a world where Kai Jones, I mean, yeah. yeah. Even if one or even if one of Mark Williams or Nick Richards goes down, I assume PJ is the backup five four Kai Jones is. So yeah, I would I would agree. That's what I was about to say. Like if one of those guys goes down, then you slide PJ to the five, and everything just kind of shuffles. Yeah, and um, maybe Kai would get some spot minutes at that point. Maybe situational. Yeah, situational. Maybe you know foul trouble occurs, something like that. Um. Yeah, I just I, I I don't really see it there. Nilakina and JT Thor. The thing with both of those guys, they seem like your Clifford guys. That they're not going to do much for you offensively, but he just doesn't care. Um, <laughs> he just doesn't care because they play hard. Uh, they're going to listen. They're going to you know for the most part cover their assignments properly. They're going to be in the right spots. Right. It's just, damn it, they have no offensive game. And I like with JT Thor, I wish that he had developed something more solid of a three point shot because that would have had me feeling better in the absence of PJ Washington had that not ended the way that it did. But man, that's another aspect of why I'm so excited about PJ being back because those JT Thor minutes were going to be significant. Right. And I know, I know that there's a certain set of Charlotte Hornets fans that are like JT Thor truthers. I'm not one of those guys. I like what he offers defensively, but offensively, I mean, you're begging him to shoot. You are leaving him wide open and any possession that ends with a JT Thor shot, you you put a giant green check mark next to it, and you say we live with it. And that's something that you don't do with PJ because PJ, 
I mean, he's a 36% three-point shooter for his career, which is pretty good for a stretch four. It really is. If Brandon Miller, I'll, say, I'll, I'll put it this way. If Brandon Miller shoots 36% from three this year, I'm going to be excited. I'm going to be happy. We're jumping off roofs. Yeah. Like, if Brandon Miller hits that clip, and like that is supposed to be what he can do day one. So everybody's talking about all the – I guess we can kind of segue into this real quick before we get to the LaMelo stuff. When it comes to Brandon Miller and you're talking rotation, you're talking about what he can do as a rookie. I think people are trying to slot him into shooting guard and like starting to like guard other people's, you know, or other teams' guards. I don't see that. And I guess the argument could be well, I mean, the best you have right now outside of that is Terry Rozier and then maybe Nilakina if he's getting some playing time. And so what could it hurt? putting Brandon Miller on an opposing, you know, point guard or two guard. Um, I guess I kind of hear you on that, but he's not going to be successful at it is at, at the end of the day, he's just not. And so I think that would be asking too much, but day one, what you want from Brandon Miller hit open shots. And I think if he hits the, I think if he can get to 36%, I think that's where I'm going to be excited about Brandon Miller. And if he can do that and be an okay defender year one, I think I'll feel pretty good about him. I that's where that's where my bar is right now that I'm that I'm, you know, measuring out for him in year one. What kind of where are you on it? Right. Like there's the um my concern with Brandon Miller is kind of, as you said, if he's not hitting shots, if he's, if we're, you know, 30 games into the season, he's shooting 30% from three, like similar to Jabari Smith last year, something like that. It's kind of like you have to, and you should continue to play him. He's your number two pick. He needs minutes, but he's not helping that much. Yeah. Um, he's not going to be, you know, we hope he could be a serviceable defender. He's not going to be a world beater by any means he's not going to get a ton of on-ball reps he'll get maybe he'll get some and he should get some but not enough for it to be a difference maker so like if if he's if he can shoot if he can be if he can average 12 13 points a game on 43 36 something like that like you said that's we have similar bars there like i don't and hopefully he's holding his own defensively against wings that's that's really all i can hope for now I mean, what you said earlier is rosier gordon hayward pj washington Miles are all gonna be better than him day one yeah and if if they're not we'll figure that out pretty soon and we can adjust yeah yeah i, I just people see number two overall pick and they just they want to insert plug and they just expect all of these great things to happen and I don't know. I for this team this season if those are the things that Brandon Miller can provide, I'll be happy. He doesn't have to show creation for himself getting in the lane. I don't I don't think he's going to be successful at that against most NBA level defenders that will be guarding a, you know, small forward like that. And so that's where I'm at. Decent defense and decent shooting. All right, segment three. We told you that we were going to be angry, that we were going to be pissed. Not earlier on in the episode. We were extremely happy. P.J. Washington is back. But the discourse surrounding LaMelo Ball and where he ranks in the NBA and his style of play – and whether or not he plays a winning style of basketball, and if he helps his team win basketball games. The Action Network <laughs> just released LaMelo Ball as their 84th ranked player in the NBA. And this comes, this piggybacks off of multiple rankings that have also had 
LaMelo Ball lower than he has been in prior seasons. Ben, I saw your take. I saw where you have LaMelo ranked. I want you to elaborate on that in just a moment. But why do you think and how do you think the conversation has just flipped on its head when it comes to LaMelo Ball and if he plays a winning brand of basketball? Yeah, I feel a little uh I feel a little tacky if you scroll through NBA Twitter. It's just it's every team's fans. Oh, my favorite player, the fit my the players on my teams are so disrespected, so much lower than they should be on everybody's rankings. And so I get it. There's bias, but <laughs> yeah. Eighty four we, we do this with LaMelo, we do this with Mark Williams. We're yeah. talking about how Mark Williams been disrespected, even though he didn't start until January essentially, and then he got hurt. And so, like, we're wanting all these people to pay attention to Hornets basketball when we had 15 wins when the calendar flipped, and to a guy that started only a handful of games and then eventually bowed out of the season due to injury in his rookie season. So, yeah, I get what you're saying, but, anyways, continue. Yeah, I don't – the Mark Williams thing, that's – not to get too off topic, but there was a Bleacher Report that did, like, like, top 10 big men if they reach their – or the, the highest ceiling of all the big men in the NBA, top 10. Yeah. And Mark Williams wasn't on that. I saw some Hornets fans being upset about that, and I'm just kind of like, I wouldn't put him on there either. Like, yeah. I love Mark Williams. I love Mark Williams. I really do. I'm excited about him. I really like him. But like realistically, he 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 didn't need to be over anybody on that list. But anyway, <laughs> back to back to the what we were talking about. Lamelo at eighty four is, and I'm not gonna get too hung up on the number. We're just gonna go into more of the concept. Yeah, it's um NBA fans in general, fans, media, whoever it may be. There's there's a new shiny toy every year or two, where that person, that player gets the attention gets the hype and then that player doesn't become Michael Jordan. And there is the overcorrection we've been talking about right now. The, the players that Tyrese Alberton, I mean, nothing, I have nothing against Tyrese. I love Tyrese. He is awesome by every stretch. He it's is ridiculous. awesome by every stretch. On that same list, he was ranked 17. Unreal. And that's, and that's outrageous. Like let's, let's be real with each other. he, I'm not gonna sit here and talk bad about talk bad about Tyrese because I like, I truly I I enjoy him so much. He um, he's the new guy. He was in the Sabonis trade, and then he comes, leads the league in assists, is efficient, had a great season, and so he's the new he's the new guy that that everyone loves. Um, Anthony Edwards is still kind of in that situation where he's the new guy. Shea Gilgis Alexander is loved by everyone now. And when this happens, people realize that maybe players have been underrated. They say, oh, well, we got to fix this. And it becomes it, it becomes everybody's favorite player. And that's kind of – that's what LaMelo was. LaMelo's rookie season, he was everyone's favorite player. Yeah. I mean, there were – I saw more than one person talk about the possibility of him making an all-star game his rookie season. And we know that wasn't realistic. And so when we get to the point where after his third season, he hasn't made the playoffs yet, even though last season was just a wash, it's just like, oh, well, he's not this all-NBA player right now. And so it's just kind of thrown to the side. We talked about how he super how overrated and stuff like that. And it's just he's just he's not the fun, shiny new toy anymore that he once was. And now new players have taken that. And I would not be surprised if in two years Tyrese Halliburton is talked about as similar to how LaMelo is now. It's a little different. He'd be older. But yeah, but I people NBA fans just get bored really easily. Yeah. They just want something new. And. So when they get there, something new, they talk about the, and then they drop it eventually, and that's that's what Lamelo is. Um, to the point where, and I, I said this, it's everyone's gonna have their different opinions on players. Some people are gonna be low on Lamelo. 
I get it. There's things to have reservations about. He's a pretty terrible defender. He's kind of a gunner. He's not the most efficient. I get it. There's there's issues. He's also 21 years old and has an all-star game under his belt. He also was just the best player on a 43-win team. Just got finished averaging 23-8, and eight, one of the better shooters in the league. And so if you're going to talk about him as though he's basically like a low-end option two or whatever that you'd have, that's you're deliberately ignoring what he's accomplished. Like you kind of have to try to do that. Yeah. You have to make it an actual, an actual effort to do that. Um, the one, the, the screenshots that circulated so much on Twitter were, was like having him under Austin Reeves and stuff like that. Austin Reeves, as bad as that is, it wasn't the worst one. That was just the Lakers player that was the easiest to, to debate, to debate about and get interactions about. But, the one that bad guys like Emmanuel quickly over him, stuff like that. Again, nothing against Emmanuel quickly. He's he he's a really fun sixth man. It you can make the argument that he's a better sixth man than Lamelo is first option. We can definitely have that argument. Um, but that's not how basketball works. Unfortunately, that's not yeah. how that's not how the league works. And so I think essentially it comes down to people got bored with LaMelo. The Hornets were horrible. Nobody watched them. There was nothing to watch. LaMelo was injured. And now we just – everyone's decided that he was overrated, which he probably wasn't at a a time. Like, I think we can admit that. But it's gotten to the point where people have just ignored what he – all that he did. Yeah, I mean – it's it's the fact that there's no context being given and there's no like there's no rubric that is being followed across the board for all of these players and it's like they're just pulling things and so when you say the new shiny toy like when i see tyrese halliburton being discussed as much as he has been as like a top 20 level player, top 25 level player. Okay. I just, there, there aren't that many players in between LaMelo and Halliburton. If you want to say Halliburton's a better player, go for it. Like there can, there's an argument out there to where you can say something like that. Okay. If you, if you are someone who falls on, you know, the spectrum of efficiency, and that's how you rate a lot of your players. And that's how you, the lens in which you view things. If you want to look through the lens of efficiency, go for it. I'm not going to stop you. But to say that they're not in the same tier, that they're like not right here next to each other is ridiculous. Um, another player that comes to mind, because this is another guy who, he hits all of the efficiency quotas. Lori Markinen is another player who I feel like is this shiny toy mm-hmm. who I believe he just had his sixth year in the NBA before he had his first all-star appearance before he had, you know, this best player on team whatever okay because he's played for three teams now okay he's another guy who fits the efficiency all of the efficiency guys like he's getting a lot of praise for you know i think he's shooting 40 percent from three and 49 percent from the field he's almost that you know 50 40 90 guy and so people are just hyping laurie marketing up and it's like Guys, why are you so low on LaMelo all of a sudden? When LaMelo was an all-star in year two, like you said, being the best player on his team, 43-win team at that, Tyrese Halliburton has never touched 43 wins. He's not close to it. His team's never made a play in, okay? Markinen just now becoming all-star caliber player of any level, He's never even been in the conversation in prior years, but all of a sudden he has one really good year. I'll give it to him. It was a good year. It was good. I'm not saying it wasn't, but it took to 
what, year six for him to show that he could be and play at that level? LaMelo shows it at year two at the age of 20, but all of a sudden now he's just out of he's out of the rotation. He's out of the conversation. That Those types of things don't make sense to me. And it shows that people aren't paying attention, that people really didn't even see that LaMelo was out last year, that they just – it kind of gives off that feel that people are like, well, LaMelo went down with Miles Bridges and – they went all the way down to 27 wins and he just wasn't that great. He wasn't efficient without anything being taken into context, without any of the same measurements being asked of multiple players. It's, I don't understand. It's okay. I guess if people don't want to like LaMelo, I get it. It's, Everybody picks a player that they don't like that says they don't play winning basketball, right? And winning basketball means a lot of different things for other people. Some it's efficiency. Some it's assist to turnover ratio. Some people it's how well they shoot from three and that three and D. And for other people, it's straight buckets. And so the conversation twists and turns. But the the way that LaMelo has fallen in the minds of, so many media people. I just, I don't get it. I don't understand how you could be looking at a kid who, or a player, if you don't even want to call him a kid anymore. He just turned 22 this past week, a few days ago. He's already entering year four as an all-star, as the best player on his team, franchise guy, 260 mil contract, all those things. How you can just all just, no, that's not what he does. And, um, he plays for the Charlotte Hornets. It's it's annoying to me. I don't um, yeah. I don't like it because of the criteria. The criteria doesn't seem fair and across the board the same. I guess that's where I'm getting. There's definitely a little bit of of, of moving goalposts. Um like I think LaMelo I, I think he's a little bit of a victim of his own success. When you come into the league and you're that good that quick, people expect just this linear progression that yeah. results in you being this all NBA conference finals engine by year three, basically. And I yeah. get it to an extent. Um, but hypothetically, if LaMelo had like, if there was a linear progression from like, you know, maybe he's st- kind of like there's been with Anthony Edwards. Yeah. Anthony yeah. Edwards for the majority, maybe not the majority, for a large portion of his rookie year was pretty bad and then got then got got it going at the end of the year second year started off the year a little shaky by the end of the year was really good had a really good playoff run come to think of it he kind of does this every year he starts off a little shaky then by the end of the year he looks like an all nba caliber player so i think if 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 lamello was a little bit more like that it'd be easier just because he's progressing but since lamello was so good immediately and I think it, it's that's a little bit of a reason why. Another thing, I think the winning basketball thing, I think a lot of that goes back to the Chino Hills days. The ball is life. The Lamelo never crossed half court on defense. Yeah, he dropped the most ridiculous shots known to man. If Lamelo had been just your standard college player, I, I I think that that would the the whole Chino Hills ball is life mixtapes do not help his case at this point at all. They see the kid that shoots deep threes and doesn't play defense. And let's be honest, he does do both of those things sometimes, but the deep threes can't bother you that much with how many he hits. I mean, they don't bother me at all, really. The situational sometimes is not great. But yeah. I don't – I think in another – in a world where LaMelo is just another guy where he doesn't have two brothers and a dad that's famous, didn't have a high school mixtape, he would not – that narrative of not being a winning player would not be on a guy that averages close to nine assists a game that's a triple-double machine. And, you know, I mean – and that's not – maybe I'm maybe I'm ignoring some factors because this has been put on guys like Trey, too, who average 10 assists or more. And that's not fair to Trey either. Let's be very clear. Trey Young is very, very good and contributes to winning. Um, it's been put on Russ lately 
Russ is a little bit of a different different conversation. But it's just it the conversation would be a little different, I think, if he didn't have the reputation he had as a high schooler. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's dumb. <laughs> you know, like oh, holding, for sure. holding uh, you know, a player's high school days against them. But I think I, I don't think you're wrong. I think that that's in the back of people's minds, the long threes, the situational, just crazy shots and the no defense. I think you're right. I think that connotation has kind of followed him into the league. And I think you made a good point. Um, Man, I want to disagree with you more. Um, (laughs) I think you made a good point in saying that, you know, the the linear progression and LaMelo being so good so early on, like everybody saw it. Like he just flashed year one, year two all-star. <laughs> All of the other guys, Halliburton has continued to get better, and that's how somehow someone ranked him as the 17th best player in the NBA. And if you read the snippet, it said that I think that this will be the year that he lands top 10. I don't know if you read the part underneath it. I didn't see that. Oh my! It was. <laughs> I was just like, oh my gosh, this is, this is next level. Like to have him seventeen is one thing, but then he said, if if he continues on the path in which I think he will, he will land top ten this year, or next year's rankings. And I was just flabbergasted. I couldn't believe I was reading what I was reading. But those guys have gotten better each year. LaMelo did not. He had an injury-plagued year, and it is what it is at this point. But I think this is going to be – I think this is going to be a comeback tour. I think LaMelo is going to remind people exactly how good he is and how much he does contribute and the things that he does. It's not all about the between-the-leg lobs, uh, lob passes for dunks. It's not all about the full-court passes and different things like that, but just in the half court, moving the basketball, also getting into the lane, creating that space, kicking it out, and making those routine plays that he does so often, as well as the flashiness. I think he's going to remind everybody. He's going to score. He's going to put up numbers. I think that as much as people have been on the front office not signing anybody with the MLE and waiting so much to bring PJ back and wanting a backup point guard and there's still no vet on the roster and all of those things. This team can still, this can be a playoff team. If this team stays healthy, this can be a playoff team. And I think that's another aspect like, Year three, you want to see LaMelo in the playoffs, and it still hasn't happened. And we're heading into year four. Everybody's down on the Hornets, coming off 27 wins. They don't think that they can make that giant leap into the playoffs. So now you're talking year five for most people in their minds before they even have the chance to see LaMelo ball in the playoffs. And um, I guess that would be the biggest part where I where I kind of see what they're saying because you've seen Anthony Edwards in the playoffs and you've seen him perform well. Uh, the Halliburton stuff I don't get whatsoever. Um, but when it comes to LaMelo and this team, there does have to be that busting into the playoffs. you got to break that 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 glass ceiling it has to rupture it has to go away it has to be something that translates sooner rather than later because we can't we I mean we really don't need to get into season five season six of LaMelo before the Hornets ever even taste the playoffs before before we even talk about success within the playoffs because that's not going to just happen they're going to have to get the the experience first and so that aspect, okay, I guess you could have a point, but when that part when, when that same criteria is not used to gauge and measure others as well, I guess that's where it feels like some of this 
the Hornets are being picked on again, which we're so easy to pick. Like we, we, we're Hornets fans. We pick on ourselves. Like we don't need everybody else doing it. Okay. Like we need everybody to back off. Like ball sack even had something to say today. They had to say something about the Charlotte Hornets. Okay. We don't need anybody talking about us. We, we know you don't have to. Yeah, that us. <laughs> we know. So I guess that's the frustrating part. Like everybody tries to bang on us. It's so easy. It's a low hanging fruit. Like get out of here, go somewhere else with that. We finally have an exciting player. He's good. He's an all-star in year two. He just turned 22 years old. He's the best player on the team. He's going to remind everybody this year, quit bagging on the guy, leave us alone, go pick on somebody else. Yeah. I think, I think LaMelo, if he, if he, Hornets make the playoffs. He makes an all-star team, something like that. Uh, that I think that kind of reset it, you know. Then they're like, "All right, well, Lamelo, he's he maybe he actually is good, you know." And obviously, we know that that's not really up for debate whether or not he's good. But yeah. but other people would see that even, you know, Anthony Edwards never he, he hasn't won a playoff series yet. He had good playoff performances, but you know, it's Lamelo. He doesn't have to make the conference finals to. To remind, but I, you know, we need to see an all-star team. We need to see it. We need to see a playoff appearance. Yeah, yeah, we need that, and I think that's going to, uh, I guess, the the overcorrection on the opposite side. That's what that right. would provide. Because um, I mean, right where I'm at, like if somebody puts him at fifty, I'm not going to argue that. I'm I'd just, argue that. I, I mean, I think I, it's not, it's not outright. I think like the Ringer had him at like forty-eight. Yeah. Which, I, which that's one of those where it's like, I disagree with you, but you're not being ridiculous. Yeah, you're not being crazy. Like, if you want to say Aaron Gordon on the back of an NBA championship and his defensive capabilities and what he brought, if you want to say that, I mean, I, I'm i going to disagree with you. But coming off a championship and arguably the third best player on that team, on the championship team, go for it. If you want to say that, whatever. Uh, yeah, we're just not gonna have the debate of whether or not player X coming off the bench for the seventh seed is better than him. Yeah, like come on, man. Like I'm so sick of the the Maxi and the Quickly and the the Desmond Bain and all of those guys. Just I'm I'm sick of that conversation. The Jordan Poole, the, the who else? That was another hero. All all of those guys. I'm I, like I'm. I'm over that. Like they're not coming to Charlotte and doing anything that Lamelo's doing. They're just not. And it and if any of those players are offered for Lamelo straight up, okay, all of those teams are saying yes. Every one of them are saying. I don't yes. think Memphis would, but I see what I see what you're talking about. You don't think I, Memphis I think, is taking Lamelo for Bain? No, I don't. Just because I, of Jaw. Yeah, I think that's too a, much overlap. Lamelo and Jaw is probably the worst fit I could possibly think of. <laughs> it's not also great. Desmond Bain is great. really good. Desmond Bain, Desmond Bain, and Tyrese Maxey are like I don't think they're better than Lamelo. Doesn't although that's one of those words like if I see a list and they're ranked above Lamelo, I vehemently disagree. But you're not Bain more than Maxey. Bain is yeah. Bain would be the best one really out of those good. guys. He would be the one that I would. I, I don't think I don't. I don't think Memphis would make that trade, but I understand what you're saying. Yeah. That's fair. That's fair. Ben, man, third time on Hive Hoops. I always enjoy when you stop by. Anytime that I shoot you the DM and you're like, yeah, man, let's do it. I get excited because I know you got the takes. I know that you uh, have positions. Uh, I know that you have convictions in your predictions and in your positions. Uh, so I enjoy when you come on. And so everybody, if you guys listen to the show, you know where to find Ben. Ben's on Twitter. All right. At Ben Hunk. He's a hunky man. All right. H. It's H-U-N-C-C, right? That's right. It's Ben H for his last name and then UNC Charlotte. Okay, it's real simple. So Ben H U N C C. That is him. Uh Ben. Next time. That's right. It's video. been a pleasure. We're gonna have video, I think, next time. So everybody's gonna be able to see your face. 
Okay. So when you come on for the fourth time, people are going to know like they can put the face with the name, with the voice. It's going to be all of the things meshing together. Um, And so now next time people can, you know, instead of talking about your takes being dumb, they could talk about (laughs) dumb face or something. I don't know. They'll do the same with me. Right. They'll do the same with me. They'll be like, Brandon Miller's supposed to start. Well, I mean, uh, I don't know if he is. Okay. Well, you're done. Okay. That's cool. But everyone, thanks for tuning in for another episode. Catch Ben on Twitter. Catch me on Twitter or X, whatever it is now, right? Um, All the socials, all the things. Check us out all those places. But until next time, adios. Thanks for listening to Hive Hoops, presented by The Lead. Be sure to subscribe on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Also, be sure to leave a review and let us know what you thought of the episode. Thanks again from Hive Hoops.